Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come and, and flood us with yourself. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, your liberating Holy Spirit, to know that we are much loved, that in becoming adopted as your children through the goodness, the generosity of you, Lord, we are children. And Lord, you want us to be fully childlike, to be full of trust, to be full of a carefree nature, just to run and laugh and play in your presence and not worry about tomorrow, but let you look after all that. So Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. May we have ears only to hear the voice of the Father, the tender voice, the voice of encouragement and blessing and correction and wisdom and peace and goodness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please have a seat. Thanks, Lauren. So a big welcome to those who will be listening to this on podcast and also on our dial-in service at some point. Uh, you're very, very welcome. How about after three? We'll give them a welcome as well. One, two, three. Welcome. Good to see you. Not good to see you. Good to speak to you. And uh, you're very welcome. We're going to have a picture come on the screen, hopefully, and uh, I would ask the question, does anyone know why 7-Up is called 7-Up? But the reality is no one knows why 7-Up is called 7-Up. Even the people who make 7-Up don't even know why 7-Up is called 7-Up. And there are some product names that we really have no idea how they came into being. But when it comes to another one, and hopefully our picture will come on the screen, uh, good old WD-40, we do understand why WD-40 is called WD-40. Back in 1953, three technicians who worked for the San Diego Rocket Chemical Company uh, worked together and they started to come up with what they hoped would be a product that would stop corrosion, stop rust happening. And so they thought, well, the best way to do that is to displace water away. And so WD stands for water displacement. The thing is, the first 39 attempts were failures. And it's, it seems fairly purely accidental that they struck gold on number 40. And in fact, I think the whole company probably now is actually called WD-40. And I imagine a lot of garages or cupboards under the stairs have a can of WD-40, a multi-use product that stops squeaks, drives out moisture, cleans, and I'm not going to do a big ad for WD-40. Otherwise, it'll seem like that program on TV. What was it called? Uh, the one where the guy was stuck in a world under, under a camera. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. The first 39 attempts were failures. And for us in the Christian life, so often we don't realize that what we're headed for is that we're headed for a finally perfected product. That as Christians, the Bible tells us that the work of God will be complete. The work of God in our lives is working towards completion. 
there will be a day when it'll be no longer WD-40, WD-1 or 2 or 3 or 39, we will reach WD-40. That's the journey that we're on. But sometimes, in fact, I think quite often, we think that the way to get to that is just by knowledge and by willpower. I would say the most, the greatest misunderstanding of Christianity is perhaps the thought that if we read the Bible and see how Jesus lived, and if we exercise just enough willpower, then eventually we will get there in the end. It's probably the greatest misunderstanding of Christian faith. The Bible tells us all sorts of wonderful things about the life of Jesus Christ, the one who is the perfect human being. His love for the outcasts, the healing of the sick, feeding of those who were hungry. Speaking about the depth of the love of God, issuing forgiveness, speaking up for those who were oppressed, the Bible gives us all sorts of inspiration, all sorts of challenge of what it looks like to live a perfect life. But if we only read the Bible and think, as lo- if I only know how to do it and try hard enough, then I'll be able to get through all the way until WD-40. But it doesn't work. And if you've ever tried that, you will realize that you're stuck between wd one and WD-39. In fact, you're probably about WD-2. Because by knowledge and willpower, we don't get very far at all. There's a question that became, well, popular again in the 1990s, uh, WWJD, hopefully come up on the screen, and uh, it stands for What Would Jesus Do? There were wristbands that were really popular among uh, young people at that time. Uh, Other people wore them as well. And it really was a resurgence of something that happened 100 years before in the late 1800s because a Christian writer posed the question in a book, what would Jesus do? It's a brilliant question for discipleship in every moment, in every situation when we're faced with temptation or an opportunity to do good. And we ask the question, what would Jesus do? It's a brilliant question. But in order to be able to do what we find the answer to be, we need to answer another number of questions. Otherwise, we'll have no hope of actually doing what the answer to the question is. And so the first question we need to ask is this one here, which is, what did Jesus do? Paul sums it up beautifully in writing to his young friend and co-worker, Timothy. He says this, Jesus has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Life, depth, quality, fullness of life, and immortality are on offer through Jesus Christ, nothing less. 
That's what Jesus Christ has done. The perfect sacrifice, coming and dying a death that will be received and accepted that you and I could be washed clean and made new and be given new life in the here and now and experience nothing less than a rebirth. The Bible talks about moving from death to life. The Bible talks about really coming out of the darkness of the womb into the light of Christ. That's what Jesus talks about to Nicodemus, about moving from darkness into light. It is as profound as that. It's not about saying you'll have a bit more strength to do what Jesus did. It is, it is a complete and utter transformation. It's dead to living. It's darkness to light. Baptism is about moving from a place of being under the water in a place of death to rising with Christ to a place of life. It is utter transformation. So John the baptizer, whenever he saw Jesus, said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, there is the perfect, unblemished sacrifice who is going to die so that we can live. And Jesus Christ is alive today. Hallelujah, that is the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason that we know that we are forgiven is that Jesus Christ is alive. If we are in any doubt about the efficacy of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it is the fact that there once was a man who was dead for three days and now he is alive and he has ascended into heaven and he has come by his spirit and we can meet with him. And so it is in the meeting with him and the reading about him and the knowing the fact that he was dead and is alive that we know that we are forgiven. That's the proof that we are forgiven because death is the consequence of sin and Jesus has overcome death so we know for sure he has also overcome sin. That's how the resurrection proclaims that we are forgiven people and that the cross worked. Reconciliation has happened and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's not enough just to ask the question, what did Jesus do? It's about personalizing the question, what did Jesus do for me? Jesus died for you. He died for me. So there's no point trying to answer that question, what would Jesus do? How can I be more like Jesus if we don't first answer that question? Do I believe that Jesus Christ died for me? Do I believe that he needed to die for me? Do, do, do I believe that there was no hope for me other than the fact that he died for me? Do I believe the fact that I would be in WD 1 to 39 and I would never reach number 40? I would never reach completion if it weren't for Jesus Christ. That is the most important question that any one of us will ever answer. And I want to urge you today, I want to plead with you today. If you haven't come to that place of believing that Jesus Christ needed to die for you, because without that you were without hope, I want to say to you today, don't waste another minute don't waste another moment.
to say, Lord, you died. And I believe you died for me. In fact, in this moment, if you want to join me in a prayer, in this moment, then join me. Pray quietly. Heavenly Father, I know that without you, I am without hope. Without Jesus Christ coming and living and dying for me, I am without hope. And I acknowledge the fact that that is because I cannot make it on my own. I have made a mess. I have done and said the wrong things. Even from birth, I've been like this. And there are so many good things that I could have done and I haven't done them. There are so many times I should have spoken and I remain silent. And so, Lord, I come to you and I say, Lord, rescue me. Complete me and fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, if you've prayed that prayer previously, then there's another question that comes up, which is a wonderful question that is one of joy, and it is the question, what is Jesus doing? Because you'll discover that this is a dynamic relationship, that you will never again be alone because Jesus is with you. He will never leave your side. He will never leave your heart. The Bible tells us that he is seated at the right hand of God. The creed declares it, that he's ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. So we want to know today, well, what is Jesus doing in the middle of COVID-19? And the answer is Jesus Christ is in heaven and he is working everything out. He is reigning and ruling, and he is making all things well. And that process will continue until he returns. And he works through and in the life and hearts of those who have given their life over to God and become born of God, children of God, have inherited the divine nature. And so his kingdom grows in us and works through us and we are such a powerful instrument in God's hand, God willing, to see his kingdom come. What is Jesus Christ doing today in the midst of this pandemic? He is ruling and reigning and working his purpose out and moving things forward so that all will be well. That's where the basis of that song comes from that Mark sang at the start, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You can practically imagine Fanny Crosby as she wrote the words of that song, one of 9,000 songs that she wrote. What an incredible woman of faith to write 9,000 worship songs. And just that wonderful sense of here is someone who knows what it means to live in the presence of God, who has such an assurance, Jesus is mine and I am his. This is my story. This is my song. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And then that last verse that speaks about becoming WD-40. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I am my Savior and happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. 
if we want to be filled with his goodness, if we want to be completely at rest, Fanny Crosby tells us how, perfect submission. If you want to be a perfect peace with the Lord, lay everything down and say, Lord, everything is yours. Every hope, ambition, dream, it's all yours. If you want to stop worrying completely, lay all of your ambitions down at the foot of, foot of Jesus. That's the way to peace. That's the way to stop worrying. And the last question, WWJD, what will Jesus do? And the Bible tells us that Jesus will return and he will bring everything to completion. The creed says he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Paul knew that Jesus would make all things well. The reading that we had today that Johnny read for us is one in which Paul is back in prison and it's looking pretty bleak. He suspects he's going to his death. And he writes to young Timothy. And he says, in the words of the message paraphrase, I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. Or in the classic words that we heard Johnny read, because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him against that day. In a world where so much was going wrong, where Paul was thrown in prison for doing what was right and Timothy was facing all sorts of opposition, the worst of which came from within the church. And Paul is writing to him and he's saying to him, trust in the message, declare the message, and trust in the indwelling Holy Spirit that has been with you since the beginning. Within your mother, Lois, and your grandmother, Eunice. And it's in you as well, Timothy. So hold firm, stay true, and trust in the good news, and trust in the Spirit of Christ that is in you. And I believe that's what we need to do as well. We need to trust and what Jesus has done, is doing, and what he will do, and also trust in the indwelling Holy Spirit that comes when we're born afresh, born anew. And we're filled with a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. One of the outcomes of fear is paralysis. It's inability. It's just not being able to move because of fear. Paul says if we want to experience power to enable us to get up every day and do what God has called us to do, then we need to rely on the Spirit of God. We will not be able to do it ourselves. And God is working in us, working WD1 and WD2, and he will bring us to perfection because in Jesus Christ, he will bring all things to completion because Jesus Christ is alive today and he will live forevermore. And that's worth serving hallelujah for. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of your goodness and generosity and grace. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and that you've given us everything that we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and to reach the place of completion and perfection, not in our own strength, but in yours and for your glory. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as we look to you. And may we be a blessing to many, many people in a world of fear, in a world of need, in a world of struggle, in a world of hunger, in a world of job loss, in a world of uncertainty. May we resemble the rock on which we stand, the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. So that people know that there is a name in heaven above all names, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, in whose name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.